Hello, hello everybody. Hope that those of you who can eat lunch, it's kind of like perhaps having lunch now. And then those of us who are fasting, uh, enjoy your fasting peacefully and hopefully are listening to this conversation. We're going to have quite a candid conversation with Atika today. Uh, and for those of you who are tuning into this for the first time, just a little bit of context so that you kind of like understand why we are doing this. Uh, so this series kind of like transpired for me last year uh, during during the circuit breaker that happened in Singapore in April and then also kind of coincided with Ramadan, I think was May last year. And for me, I, I think I shared in a previous video uh, that um, I was kind of like reeling from all the changes that was happening last year, right? So first of all was, oh, circuit breaker, then, oh, uh, home-based learning, then, oh, uh, work from home. And then after that, like, oh, no, Ramadan to be spent at home? You mean cannot go out with friends? You mean cannot have iftar together? So that was my experience with Ramadan last year. And uh, just to let you know, I am not, I'm not Muslim. I am not Malay, obviously. Um, but, but I do have a lot of Malay friends. And therefore, I reel from that change because one of the things I look forward to during Ramadan is to have the iftar with my friends. Uh, and typically, when we have iftar, it's always a lot of chatter, a lot of laughter, a lot of... You know, that companionship and that relationship, that kampong spirit lah, in other words, right, uh, to, to come together during the iftar. And then, like, it doesn't have to be, like, traditional Malay food, even though that would be great. Uh, but sometimes we just order pizza, right? Because it's just a big group of us and it's, everybody's just too lazy or too tired to just cook something up and we don't know what are the different tastes of people coming in. So we just say, hey, just, let's just order pizza, then the drumlets and everything. Then, then just, just come together and you know, break fast together. So that was one of the things that I really appreciated about Ramadan. That's for me uh, to, as a form of like coming, in, com coming together with my Malay Muslim friends and um, you know, uh, really like catching up and stuff like that. So when that happened last year, I'm like, oh my goodness, I can't do that with my Malay Muslim friends. And I was, I, I felt like I was affected by that change. Now I was thinking in my mind, like if, if I'm already feeling that and it's just iftar, right? What more them who are going through it? Like there's a lot more things that they would be experiencing. So for me, it's like a one once off kind of event. But for them, they could be meeting that. They, they typically might be meeting with their relatives every other night, you know, going for congregational prayers uh, every other night. Uh, and then, you know, going to the bazaar, you know, that kind of thing. There was a lot of things that's part of the festivities and part of the celebration and part of the reflection that kind of perhaps shifted for my Malay Muslim friends. And I was wondering out loud, like at that point in time, I say that if I'm already feeling all that from the changes that I was experiencing just from going for iftar, right? What more them going through? So many things that they can't do during that period of time because it was circuit breaker. So that, the, so that first series started last year. And then fast forward to this year, right? And I, and I look back at last year and I say, you know, things look like they have changed because last year there was zero contact. You can't have people visiting. You can't have, you can't go and visit other people. You can't have your congregational prayers. Whereas this year, there are certain changes. There are things that uh, has kind of like shifted where, you know, you can perhaps have gatherings of eight people. You can have, you know, friends and families come over. I heard that uh, like mosques have opened up bookings for congregational prayers. So there are certain things that have changed to a certain extent but perhaps not entirely like everything can hello Aifa thanks for joining in today's conversation right so so there are certain things that perhaps has changed so I was also wondering like you know how are my Malay Muslim friends experiencing this year's Ramadan 
versus last year's Ramadan, right? And since we are on this platform and this topic, I thought, no, maybe we could have also some conversational, some conversations on, uh, like what what does it mean or what does it look like to be Malay in Singapore? What does it mean, look like to be Muslim in Singapore? Right? And so it happened like before coming on with Atika, uh, I was scrolling through Facebook just to. I don't know, just mindlessly scrolling, to be very honest. Uh, and I came across this video um, uh, by the Royal Singapore. And uh, it showcased this lady who is what she calls herself a Malay, a Muslim revert. right? Uh, her name is Li Han, And I, I, I've come across her videos before. Like every time coming close to Ramadan, uh, she will be showcased somewhere because she is a Muslim revert and she does explain uh, her journey as a Muslim revert pretty well right so it's very nice to listen to her and how she shares her journey and also like her perspective of what uh, islam is and so on and so forth so it was i just chanced upon that and i was like oh you know so nicely coming into this conversation with atika just before uh, that i just watched that video so let's just welcome atika first so atika i've known her for <laughs> number of five years. years, five years, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Maybe from like school five years ago, right? <laughs> yeah. Now, now yeah. she's a mother of three. She's a HR practitioner, and yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so it, it's nice to reconnect with Atika. And interestingly, we reconnected a bit more last year, also, right? Through, yeah, because of this, COVID. Because of this, right? The discovering Ramadan and other COVID things that we were doing <laughs> together, right? Yeah, okay, yeah. Not not COVID things, but like you know. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. COVID, COVID period things that we're doing. Yeah, you know, you know, Michelle, when you were saying all those things, so many things were in my mind. Um, I was thinking, uh, actually, Ifta sounds like a distant past for me. <laughs> <laughs> Since we started fasting this year, I have not eaten out yet. We are still oh. at home. Mm. Um, so it sounds like a distant past. Like, who who does Ifta anymore these days? <laughs> I wonder. Oops. Oops. Even though I am, I am planning to go to my in-laws' house, um, perhaps on Friday, um, mm. and my mom's house on Mondays. I mean, that's what I've planned so that I have one less cooking to do, uh, or two less cooking to do each week, right? Mm. And so what I do when I go for uh, iftar at their house is that I will also tapau food for the morning meal. Mm. So I have, yeah, I have one two less meals to two cook. Less meals. So all together, four yeah. less meals, right? Like that. Yeah, all together, four, you know. We, and then hopefully weekend, we can like, you know, tapau in also one or two days so that, yeah, less meals to cook in a week. Nice. <laughs> so yeah, so really, iftar and a bazaar. What, what is bazaar? Like, yeah. oh gosh. Yeah. <laughs> and like, how much money do you any? save? <laughs> a lot. Yes, last year, I didn't buy any clothes at all. Uh, hi, Aifa, hi, Imran. I think I met them last year, right? At your yes, session you did. Also. Yes, you did. Yeah. Um, so um, I didn't buy any clothes at all last year for me or for my kids. So they could apparently still fit into their clothes from two years ago. Uh, but I think this year they can't fit anymore. So I was struggling to, I was trying to remember what are the brands of high raya clothes that we should buy from. So I, you know, I'm the, I'm the kind who always tailor my high raya clothes. I always go mm. to Joho, I'll buy, I'll buy the cloth in Singapore or, and then go Joho and, and tailor. There was one year we even tailored in Bangkok because we happened to be holidaying and and yeah, we bought cloth and, and tailor in Bangkok. So I'm the kind who always tailor my high raya clothes. Uh, so at one point of time, my boys were also tailoring clothes for them because I like to buy like those matching cloth and then they wear the yeah, same yeah. Uh, yeah. matching cloth like, to, together. So it looks cute, right? When they wear together. Yeah. Um, so this I've not been really buying off the shelf. So now, so now I'm struggling. I'm like, what should I buy for myself? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to see whether I have clothes from the past that I've not worn. Um, yeah, because Maybe this I don't, year you can tailor though. I mean, the shops tailor, are open for tailoring. I always tailor right? in Malaysia. I never tailor in Singapore. So, 
So it's a big struggle for me. Like, yeah. yeah, that's why it's called rediscovering Singapore, right? So <laughs> rediscovering the tailors in Singapore, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so even so, rediscovering the 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 Hiraya clothes. Maybe go, I should go to Jusha Complex and find what's there, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Gilang yeah. and all that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Just Gilang Sarai, right? Just walk around and then just see. I yeah, you could go back be. and buying one duck scarf, I'm so, I suppose, for this year. <laughs> no? Don't, <laughs> don't talk about that. So what happened during COVID was that I ended up buying so many duck scarves and I don't wear them. So yeah, so that that, that was 2020. So right. 2021, I'm not supposed to buy more duck scarves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so anyway, yeah, so as we're talking about those, those were really like like distant memories for me. Mm. <laughs> like what's that anymore, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so, so I think it's interesting, right? Because like, like, I mean, you yourself, you are a born Malay, you're a born Muslim. So there are certain traditions, I suppose, and certain cultural stuff. I, I don't know how to describe it that you probably are brought up with. So so if I was to just jump into that first question, right? So how is it like growing up as a Malay Muslim in Singapore? Mm. Did, did it feel, dif- I don't know, different or... Mm, I don't know. So maybe it, I wouldn't have thought about this until like maybe when I started working. I think, it, I think growing up as a Malay Muslim when I was younger, it didn't feel like uh, much impact until I started working and then I realised that actually... Um, there are a lot of things that I don't know about the Chinese culture and similarly mm. there are a lot of things that the Chinese don't know about the Malay culture mm. so I remember in my my first job was with a Malay organisation so that didn't count so all of us <laughs> speak Malay that didn't count um, and fasting wasn't an issue because we all go back early right because yeah. it's a Muslim organisation my yeah. second job was with uh, was with um, yeah um, a secular organisation mm. uh, and and that was really the time where I really learned a lot about the Chinese culture like you know I learned like when you go for Chinese wedding, how much ang pao to give. Uh, and then they also learn when they go for my wedding, how much ang pao should they be giving me. Um, and yeah, and other things, like, even like food, you know, like uh, they, they learn about halal food, what's halal, what's not halal. And uh, it went to the extent that we even had a colleague uh, when she hosted some of our Malay colleagues, right? She actually had a separate halal plates and utensils for that colleague. Wow. So that was, when I heard about it, I was like, wow, that's a very thoughtful gesture. Yeah. And it's not like my colleague expected it from her, but it was a, it was just a gesture that she did because she she was aware mm. uh, of the, I don't know, of the restrictions or or, or the peculiarities of the Malay or the Muslim culture, like or in, in terms of our food, the like, sensitivity needs, needs, uh, yeah. sensitivities. Uh, she's, she's a yeah. bit more sensitive about it. So yeah. I thought that was that was nice. So we le- I learned a lot. Um, it just so happened that organization also we do have learning journeys, like to to visit places of worship, uh, to learn about each other's religion and culture. So that was eye opening for I think everyone who attended la. Uh, nice. And and okay, so being in Singapore, right? Uh, I can't help being the token Malay everywhere that I go la. <laughs> because we are just minority, right? So, and I'm in HR. You know how how many HR, how many Malay yeah. people are there in HR, lah? Yeah. Okay, if you are talking about like um not Malay organizations but other organizations, there are really very few Malays in HR. So I'm always yeah. a token Malay everywhere I go, and I find like being a token Malay, you do have to explain yourself a bit more, like why you do certain things, uh, why you can't eat certain things, <laughs> and then when it comes to like department eating session, right? Makan session. Yeah. Uh, because you know that they're going to ask you to choose a food uh, venue, you yeah. will just naturally do that do that job. Like, okay, I will choose the food option because I'm the only halal, uh, I mean, <laughs> the only person who need halal food. Um, yeah. yeah, so I find that I was doing a lot of sharing of my religion. Mm. Um, yeah, 
yeah, so that was pretty interesting lah because I feel like I was in the spotlight. Yeah. But when when I was growing up, there was one incident that uh, kind of still stick in my head. So I, I was in a girls' school and my girls' school didn't have a lot of Malays lah. So in every yeah. batch, there was like about 15, 16 of us Malay girls. Mm. Uh, so in my particular school that I was in, because there's so few of us, all the Malay girls were put into two classes. So there were only two classes that had Malays because mm. it's just for the ease of timetable, right? When they want to yeah. plan for Malay timetable, Malay yeah, lessons, yeah. all of us can go together at the same time mm. and all that. Um, and so we just happened to, I mean, because in my class had six of us Malay girls, so we just happened to hang out together, like, go for meals together and all that. It got to one extent about one teacher, our teacher called us to a PE room. Okay, I, some of my friends who are hearing this will remember this story. And we, I remember we talked about it last, last year. We were all still angry about it. So, so be chill, okay? Be chill. Don't be angry. It's just, it's just an observation. So she told us that she felt like we were too cliquish and that she felt like we were a Malay gang. Then we were like, what the? Malay gang? We're like the, we're like the goodiest girl. Lah. We're like really very good girls. And why are you calling us a Malay gang? Just because we stick together? Just because mm. we go for recess together? Just because yeah. we go for Malay class together and just because half of us are in the same CCA, which is a Malay-related CCA. Um, so we thought it wasn't a fair comment that she made. Um, yeah. And if you think about it, like my class has six Malay girls, right? Six or seven Malay girls, right? I mean, there's 33 Chinese girls. Or maybe 30 <laughs> Chinese girls and two Indian girls, that kind, right? Yeah. And if the Chinese girls hang out five of them together, aren't they also like clickish? Like, <laughs> so to me, it doesn't make sense. At the point of time, it, does, it didn't make sense to me. Yeah. Um, but as I grew up, and uh, I, I guess it stems down from this sensitivity, like how sensitive you are to the other religion, culture. Are you even aware that, you know, like as minorities, um, somehow you do end up wanting to mix with people of your kind? And even as a Chinese, you do that, right? You also tend to like yeah. mix with your Chinese friends and you all speak in Mandarin. I mean, nobody will accuse you of being a Chinese gang, right? <laughs> Have you ever been accused of being in a Chinese gang? I don't nope. think so. So, so. so to me, it was just like very bad um, judgment from her and um, poor judgment now on her part and mm. uh, she should not necessarily for her to call it out that way uh, yeah. because we were young girls like sec two and yeah and we were being accused of being a Malay gang <laughs> imagine how this sticks to me until now yeah so, so it does I, I guess race is a sensitive issue um, mm. and sometimes we just don't know how to navigate this we just don't know how to have conversations around race and religion and then when we end up doing it, we might say the wrong thing or do the wrong things. Yeah. Uh, but I guess what uh, what works for me is just to be around people who are of other religions and or races and get to know them. You know, understand their their culture. What is it like? Mm. Uh, like what you're doing now, right? I mean, you're doing this <laughs> series. I suppose it's for you to also understand a bit more about mm. the Muslim culture and how we celebrate our Ramadan and all that. And you yeah. by doing this, you are learning a lot more. Yeah, and yeah. You will not ask the wrong question to someone about Ramadan because you probably <laughs> will have heard a lot from from the rest of us. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, I think it's interesting, right? Like, like one of the things that just happened last year for me as well. Like, uh, as I was in, I, I, I had a group of of university students, like inter- so called interning or or you know, just spending their holiday. Because what happened was last year, a lot of the students, especially the uni students, couldn't go for their overseas internship, right? Mm. Because of COVID. So a friend's company kind of started this uh, internship program where this then this this group of students who were supposed to go for their overseas internship could then you know write onto some some company here lah in Singapore right uh, so he 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 kind of, he and his team kind of started this this uh 
internship kind of program and we took them in. So in one of the groups that I had, there was actually one girl who was Malay girl, right, uh, from one of the universities. And as we were talking about the project that they were on, that they were helping me to kind of like research on, um, we, 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 I, I actually broached this topic because at that point in time, there was also a converse, uh, something that came up about uh, hashtag minority voices, right, that was mm. going around somewhere during uh, the June, June, July period last year as well. Yeah, so I, I know as I was waiting for the for the other interns to stream into the meeting, which is a Zoom meeting, then this Malay girl was on, like she was punctual. Lah. So, so, so I started to have conversation. I said, I know, I don't understand. And I actually said this, I don't understand why, why the Malay Muslim people are actually saying that they're their minority voices. You know, like, like, isn't that, I mean, like, isn't that, and then she said, yeah, but we are the minority voices. Huh? So, yeah, I'm like, but, but then if you're the minority voices, don't you think you need to speak up more and, and, and share more with us and everything? And it was insensitive. I didn't know it was insensitive of me when I said that, right? Because in my mind, at that point in time when I had that conversation and when I saw the hashtag, to me, the Malays in Singapore were not minorities. That was my lens. That's why mm. I didn't understand why the Malays were saying that they were a minority voice. Like if you tell me an Indian is a minority voice, yeah, that's like, I know, I know that. Right? If it's a Eurasian, it's a minority voice, I know that. But to me, the way that I saw the, if I, it was a pie chart, the way I saw it was like, oh, Chinese, yes, I agree, we are the majority, right? We are like maybe 50%. Then the Malays are like 30%. And then the 17%, Indians... 17%, we are 17%. Yeah, exactly, right? So I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't have that data, right? So what happened was after that, I spoke to an Indian friend and I said, you know, I don't understand why is it that Malays... Then she's like, but Michelle, you know that the Malays are minority, right? I was like, no, how can that be? There's so many. And then she actually went to Google and she read it out to me and she said that they are, like what you said, they are 17%. And I'm like, huh? I tell you that at that moment, right, I was like, wait, I need time to digest this. And I actually took time to think about it. Okay, now I understand why, why they call themselves minority voices then because the data shows, right? And then I asked myself, how did I have that lens that that kind of registered in me that, yeah, I know that they are not a large, like, like as large as the number of Chinese we have, but I, why is it that I didn't register that they are that small either, right? And then I said, I think it's because of my exposure. Because yeah. I've been running camps for so many years, and in, in the camp industry, right, there's just so many Malays around. <laughs> yeah. Right? So I, I think, high far, right? High far. Yeah, yeah exactly, right? <laughs> Actually, Michelle, I was going to ask you, right, what did you look at your friend uh, your facebook friendly <laughs> is the proportion of malays in your facebook friendly 17 percent or less or more maybe that will give you an answer yeah yeah maybe i'll do that <laughs> later yeah I, I think that'll be a nice way to gauge that'll be nice yeah yeah so so i say i think i've been surrounded by malays and i kind of in, immerse myself in their culture and in in just having conversations with them right like even when i started my own company at that point in time my colleagues were all malays all my staff were Malay. So when, when fasting month came about, it was a natural thing to say that, okay, uh, when it's lunchtime, you're not, I know you're not going to go for lunch. It's very natural. Just take a break. Right? Mm -hmm. I'm not going to. And then I said, I will, I, will I will give them early day off. Like, you know, finish at 5 o'clock, go home. No, don't, don't, mm -hmm. don't stay until 6 o'clock. If they stay back, I'm the one who actually asked them. I said, hey, hello? You're not going home to breakfast, is it? Now what time already? 6.30 already. You know? Why are you still here? Go home, go home. I'm the one who will do it. So I'm so into it already that's why it didn't register in me that it is mm. a minority voice so i'm saying okay so even being immersed in the culture now becomes a blind spot for me in how i am 
perhaps insensitive to some of these. Yeah. Which is why which is why I'm asking this question, right? How is it like growing up? Because if I continued to have that lens, I wouldn't be asking this question. Yeah, that's interesting, you know, it's a very interesting perspective because I must tell you that uh, where I was working, my, some of my past colleagues have told me, uh, uh. maybe another Malay friend, that we are the, their first Malay friends. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> or we could be the first Malay people they have lunch with, had a meal mm. with, and this was mm. like a 20-something years old. Um, wow. Yeah, so so that was uh, what we've heard. La. I mean, I, I'm used to, I, I told you I'm used to being the token Malay. <laughs> Explain to you why it's like that. So the day I wore the tudung, uh, ah. it was a very nerve-wracking day for me because, you know, I don't know, for fellow Malay Muslim ladies out there, um, I mean, for a lot of us, we do desire to wear the tudung. Um, yeah. But putting on the tudung, there's, I don't know, something that we have to overcome. It's a personal challenge to ourselves. La. You know, like, <laughs> How do you stop yeah. being vain and you know and put on the tudung because you know that it's for the for a good cause or for the religion? Yeah. So the day I put on the tudung, my most Malay friends who knew that I was putting on the tudung was telling me, I think I don't worry, after one or two days, people will forget that you even <laughs> even uh, didn't wear tudung before this. So okay, so I, I that was those those were reassuring for me. Um, but I had like for Chinese colleagues, I mean I had a range of maybe the non-Malay colleagues, I had a range of responses uh, from People asking me, hey, I thought you are a modern Muslim. Why you wear tudung? I said, hmm, okay. Hmm. Yeah. I think of how to answer that question, right? First time I had that question. So modern Muslim cannot wear tudung? No. Um, so I had to explain about the concept of modesty and how, you know, as a Muslim woman, uh, this is part of our modesty lah, to put on the tudung. Um, but I had other colleagues who probably, probably were more aware or had more friends who wear tudung. So they actually complimented or they actually asked me, oh, what, what brand is this? Some people knew dark to them. So uh, it was uh, it was quite uh, interesting uh, to see a whole range of um, of non-Muslims in terms of the understanding of the Malay and the Muslim culture. Uh, Malay mm. culture and Muslim religion. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but It'd be okay, interesting to do a, rea- a reaction video. Like, you know, like how, how popular <laughs> yeah, reaction yeah, videos yeah, are yeah, on I social media now, time. right? Yeah, yeah, I still know TikTok. Uh, you got TikTok, well done it. <laughs> <laughs> I still remember the exact line. Like, I thought you are a modern Muslim. Um, <laughs> I'm still a modern Muslim. <laughs> uh, yeah, but actually, that, I mean, just, those are like funny stories. But it, I mean, it can also be... There are also times where you feel quite, um, I don't know, crappy. Like, you know, there are times where you... you there, were, there, are times, there were times where I don't join my team for lunch because I knew that sometimes they want to go to somewhere that's not halal and when I go it might be it might like cram their style or they might have lesser <laughs> options so, so I, will, I will voluntarily opt out of certain lunch outings mm. so, but I will still make it a point to go for lunch with my team uh, my, my department um, often but I will opt out certain days and I will go for lunch with my Muslim colleagues lah. Mm. so it's a chance to to bond with them and you don't have to worry about you know whether you're you know whether your both choice of food option, yeah, because yeah. both of you eat halal food anyway. So, so I will opt out of certain certain um um lunch gatherings because of that that reason. Uh, sometimes when people ask me uh, to go for certain functions which I'm not comfortable with, then I wouldn't go as well. So I do opt out of some social activities, lah. Especially after I wore the tudung, because I feel like if since I wore the tudung, I shouldn't be, I should uh protect my image, or because I I am um. You know, when people see me, people see a Muslim lady, right? So I need mm. to protect the image of the religion as well. Yeah. So I'm a bit more particular about where I'm seen uh, mm. and uh, who who I'm with and what, I, what I'm doing and, and all that. Mm. Uh, so yeah, so I do opt out of things. Um, 
at times. At times, people might think that, okay, I think I'll talk, but actually sometimes I feel like I want to join in, but it's just that I don't want to inconvenience others as well. So it can be a bit lonely, especially if you're the token Malay girl. In <laughs> uh, my current workplace now, there is a Malay guy, so it's fine. Um, when we go for food outing, at least there's two of us that need halal food. So it's not too bad, you see. If there's two or three of you, it's not too bad. Um, mm. If you're alone, it does feel a bit, can be a bit stressful. Mm. Yeah. yeah, so so as I'm listening to you also, right, I, I think that's the part about when we talk about Singapore being a racially harmonious country of sorts. Um, that's where I also wonder, right? Because if if our Malay Muslim friends or our you know like Hindu Hindu Indian friends, where they are vegetarian, you know, or even Buddhist friends who are vegetarians, do they do they find themselves sometimes as an inconvenience to the larger society yeah. when it comes to social events, especially when when like like social events are meant to be harmonious. Social events are meant to bring communities together. And yet in that process of organizing, like especially in companies or in corporates, uh, when we are when we organize like this kind of like lunches or dinners together, and it, it's with the intention of bringing people together, right? Of mm. you know, different departments and stuff. And then if one person is happens to be a vegetarian, all right, or or like like you know, need, requires halal food or doesn't eat beef for whatever reason, right? Or doesn't eat mutton for whatever reason. And then it feels like because I have to consider all these, and, it, and we're just talking about very simple things of food, of food, right? It's, it's a daily thing. You have to consider all these food options. Then all these food options now becomes an inconvenience. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. and then, then, like, I don't know how people are feeling about it. Like, some people will say, oh, you know, it's just part and parcel, and then, you know, just accept it and move on. And then some people were like, yeah, la, you know, you know, in our company, uh, just that one or two, uh, then we have to go to this place, you know. Yeah, so I've heard that, like, those kind of lines before. Actually, I've ah, heard that. So okay. like, um, when I hear some lines, those are the times where I would just like, oh, okay, it's fine, mm. go ahead. Um, yeah. Uh, so sometimes, uh, sometimes some, how some groups of uh, friends or colleagues get over such things is that you tap out your own food and then we eat together. I mean, I've mm. done that a couple of times with, other, with some colleagues. Uh, yeah. So we tap out our own food so you can get to choose whatever you want to eat. And then we eat in the meeting room or we eat in a in a common space together. Yeah. Um uh, there are also awkward moments whereby you are forgotten, like, oh eh, okay, there's no halal food. Okay, then I'll go get my own food. Okay, I'll join you guys later on. Bye. Mm. That kind. Those have <laughs> happened before. And mm. I know those have happened to vegetarians' friends as well. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, oops, we forgot that you're a vegetarian. Okay, we yeah. forgot your food. Uh, <laughs> so I think we are probably in equal situation. Yeah. <laughs> Ironically, yeah. I have a colleague. Uh, current colleague who's vegetarian and we before COVID we we go for lunch occasionally and then we go to this food court that has very good vegetarian food and very good halal food so we're very happy <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so so I mean the thing about Singapore is that actually now halal food is everywhere la. Yeah. Uh, there are a lot of options of halal food compared to say 10 years ago or 20 years ago there's mm. definitely, definitely way more halal food now yeah. so it should be okay to find uh, a place that accommodates everybody yeah. yeah, yeah, I think I think that's definitely true. And actually, the 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 Malay food is you know it has its own flavor and own taste. I would sometimes get yeah. very tired of Chinese food, and I would just go to a Malay store and like, yeah, like, eh, nasi padang, and then I get to choose my food. So I so guess yeah. it's just a mindset, right? If you know that you're going to have lunch with your Malay colleague, then you don't 
think about eating your dim, dim sum or your, you know, like <laughs> your bakso or whatever. Like, you know, you don't think about it, right? Because, yeah. you know, that, so like my mindset, if I'm going to eat with like a non-Malay, then I probably won't go for very good Malay food. I'll just go for something that all of us can eat. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I also have colleagues who love Malay food. So when like, we go for lunch, it's always like very good Malay food. So, <laughs> yeah. I guess it's really, maybe you have to switch your, I don't know, like your thinking. I mean, you're with someone, what's the right, is it? I don't know, what's the right? Um, I think it's not so much switching, but really just saying that these people are part of our community. Like if, if let's say, so like what Zinghan's um, uh, video says, right? Like, like just knowing that you are, you are there, right? That, uh. Yeah. So they are part of the family now. When you, when you cook, you cook for your family lah. Right, it's not cook for your family plus a Muslim, <laughs> or you cook for your family plus a vegetarian. It is mm. the family. So, so the family needs to also be willing to say we adjust together, right? Uh, and and I think in the corporate space or in a in a company space, and if we want to pride ourselves being a multicultural, uh, diverse, inclusive kind of corporate space, and I think this one applies to HR as well, right? We want to include. We want to be inclusive. We want to be di- we want to have that diversity, then we need to embrace that as part of the diversity and part of the inclusivity is not so much all these inconveniences, but it is all part and parcel of being together as a team. Mm-hmm. And your, your food is my food, my food is your food. And therefore, if let's say really so happened that it's so diverse, right, that you've got vegetarian, you've got you know, Muslim, you've got people who don't eat beef, people who don't eat mutton, then the, then you, the common denominator, fish and chicken, ah. <laughs> I was gonna say or, ice cream, or vegetables, ah, ice cream. <laughs> yeah, ice cream. that's true. Or, or fruits, you know that kind. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's true. Yeah, so like, yeah. I mean, it's a very good point. It's about being aware of uh, who the people are that you are going to be with, right? And yeah. and be inclusive to all, right? I suppose yeah. that's that's the, yeah. that's the message. Because I mean, if, let's say you have mm. a child, a child who mm. is allergic to something, mm. basically the entire family just adapts okay. and says that this is how. How our family's meals are gonna be like yeah. from now but on. Has, and husband uh, prawn, so I don't cook prawn. But when yeah. I go out, sometimes I buy prawn for myself to eat. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, so so it it's it's just having that that consciousness and and it starts with consciousness awareness and then how to what extent I want to be sensitive or to what extent I want to empathize, you know, and, and say, mm. you know, if I I might have my own idiosyncrasies. Like for me, I I if I not that I cannot eat mutton, I just don't like how it smells, you know, especially when it's not well done. So I would prefer to then just stay away from mutton. But then do I become an inconvenience to, let's say, our Indian friends, right? Because they would prefer mutton curry for, for, for some of them, right? So, so these are some of the thoughts that I have as you were sharing. And I'm like, mm, okay, this is a very good point to like, I think for people to know. Lah. That which brings us to our next question, right? Like, like then, if you were to have the opportunity to kind of like share something with you know with your friends, then what is it that you would like people to know about being Muslim mm. or learn more about? One thing I wanted to share because we're talking about food, right? Is um no pork no lard doesn't mean halal lah. <laughs> okay, so uh, halal is also in the way the meat is being slaughtered, like our chicken and our uh, beef needs to be slaughtered in a halal way. Um, so that's just to put it out there because sometimes people ask us that question and and I'm like, uh, actually, no. 
And then you feel like you're inconvenient, inconvenient <laughs> to them because they Google and then they found this place and they cannot eat, right? Yeah. So that's why usually I will I will choose the venue. Um. So that's one. And yeah. And the other thing is that yeah, we're not we're not um um. I'm going back to the point about being clickish. We're not clickish, but we just tend to love our family very much. So if you notice, like, I don't know, um, we tend to stick together as family. We have a lot of family gatherings, and you see big groups of Malay families at the beach, um, because we really enjoy <laughs> being with our family. I think that's something that um people say gotong royong, right? It's a yeah. it's a probably a Malay culture, like a very strong Malay culture. That I mean, that's very true. So you see at like weddings that like a lot of people will chip in, help out with the with the whoever's getting married. Um, in the olden days, I mean, when I was younger, I remember that you know we will go over to whoever's house and prepare, even pack all the goodie bags, you know, <laughs> um, wrap the egg, uh, everything. We do everything uh, for the wedding. But this is a lot of couples just outsource some of these things. Um, yeah. But I mean, those were very precious memories. We even had like the elderly cooking for the whole wedding. You know, like one thousand people, you cooking like big pots. <laughs> like wow, that's quite amazing. Um, but yeah, so that's essentially what our culture is, lah. A very family oriented family is first, uh, and ultimately, I guess, um, uh, for for Muslims, lah. I mean, a lot of things in life for us might not might not seem as important as as um, the afterlife. So mm-hmm. we believe that life is a journey for us, um, and the journey is for an eternal, eternal afterlife, and hopefully we all reach Jannah, which is heaven, lah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a lot of us. Okay, at least for me, I have this mindset. So you know, you tell me I want to be rich in this world. I'm like, uh, okay, I'm mean, doing okay. <laughs> only I, it's not really a big deal. But if you tell me that I can be given a guaranteed a spot in heaven, yeah, that's a bigger deal for me. Mm-hmm. Nice. So we might seem a bit less ambitious in that sense, um, but really, I guess it's really a worldview. Our worldview is different because to us, life is temporal. It's a temporary yeah. place nice. and not a permanent place. Nice. I I, I really like your sharing, uh, especially the last point that you mentioned, because typically what people will see is the Malays or the Muslims are not as driven are not as ambitious and then therefore the next label that comes in is the ah yeah we like one corner la, yeah. la, uh, lazy la, right all these terms will start yeah. to come out but that's, see, and, that's that's also incorrect so if you are a very if you are if you are, if you are um, I wasn't serious Muslim that's not the right word <laughs> if you know your religion very well right, as a Muslim no there's also there's this term called amana so if you are paid to do a work, you know, the amana is your responsibility is to make sure that you give what you are being paid for. Mm. So you don't want to be seen that, you know, like you are, you are, you, you are not an amanah person, you see, because, because we're not, I mean, we're not, we're not fearful of the employer, you know, like my employer will, will, will terminate me or whatever. It's actually more mm. of like, you know, what will God think if we are not fulfilling our responsibilities on earth? So mm. will we then not get our space in heaven? It's, it's, it goes back to that. It's, it, goes it goes back, back to, to that. the bigger picture of of our afterlife more yeah. than like my boss will uh, make me quit my job or my boss will terminate me. It's really more than just that. Lah. Yeah. 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 And I think like the point about how the meat is being slaughtered or the animal is being slaughtered so that it can be served as the meat on, on the table. Uh, again, I, 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 okay. So I think I'm very blessed to have actually witnessed someone trying to do that. Oh, hi, yeah. Haji. No, no. Uh, so I think those who are like Hari Hari Haji, they have to actually slaughter the animal. Mm. 
mm. um, they are probably also trained and seasoned now. So I actually mm. haven't experienced that. So I experienced a friend uh, who had to try and do that uh, when we were on a service learning trip in Vietnam. Oh, nice, okay. And oh. in, in our team, we had um, two, two Muslims, or three Muslims. Three Muslims and, and I mean, you know, in, you know, in Vietnam, it's not like everywhere you can find halal food and stuff like that. So either we eat vegetables all day long, which then doesn't really matter. And, and, and in Vietnam, they also serve pork and things quite, quite blatantly and all sorts of other animals. Mm. Um, they are puppies and yeah. <laughs> yeah, they are puppies at the market to be bought, to be slaughtered. Um, yes. So it's, it's this kind of thing that you're like, oh, you know, in Singapore, you don't have puppies at markets. To be slaughtered, right? But down there, it's like, yeah, their their wet markets have puppies. So, so, so because after a while, I think you know, there's just really not enough food kind of thing to eat. So then there was an attempt to then say, okay, let's buy chicken, like live chicken, bring back to our residential area, and our Muslim friend, uh, and out of the three of them, one was male, the other two was female. So it felt like there was the responsibility of the male to try and slaughter. Yeah, I tell and and watching him having to try and do that, even though like NS train, right? Like NS train, you might have some of these survival skills and everything. He actually couldn't. Yeah, so I think it. I think there was not not, and it's not because he's not courageous or whatever. Right? I think it's that process of mm. of having maybe to say that prayer and. Know, blessing the animal and so on and so forth that entire process just brought out so much empathy in him perhaps right that he couldn't make such a definitive cut to let the mm. animal not suffer and it's that yeah that you're not sure what if i cut wrongly and then end up the animal suffers even more than it should to just provide for me and this group of people so it was i mean for me right it was like if i didn't witness that i wouldn't have thought so much about it but mm. having witnessed it i'm like initially and i actually asked the, i think I, I i can't remember if i asked the question like you know what was in your mind or what was challenging i can't remember if i asked that question but I could see him struggle and like, it, it was someone I was relatively close to. Like I, I already know the person quite well. So to see someone who's like older than me and, you know, gone through NS, done all these gung-ho adventure stuff and still at that moment having to place the knife onto the throat of the chicken. And chicken, not, chicken throat not very large, ah. <laughs> Having to place it there and yeah, and try to have that decisive one cut animal goes on to the next world, let blood drip out. You know, it sounds like a, such a straightforward and easy process, but having to actually do it, I think really cannot. Yeah. So eventually uh the chicken's still alive. Now. So, <laughs> so, so so we didn't have chicken that night. We didn't have a chicken. Yeah, but yeah. it was I mean it doesn't show that how blessed we are in Singapore, right? We already have ready meat halal meat for us to buy from yeah because yeah. yeah. I, I was in India and I remember in India market the chickens were alive and but the, the shopkeeper were actually caught on the spot lah. Mm. so but in Singapore we don't see that, that process so it's something that yeah. is foreign to us because we don't see it yeah. uh, we don't experience it we've lost the skill to to slaughter to animals yeah. ourselves. Yeah. so yeah we just buy from supermarket it's so convenient 
<laughs> you know, yeah. So 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 I think I I, I mean I'm, I'm just sharing this also so that people get an understanding of like why what's the difference like what you said right between just no pork no lard and then having halal because it is a process to get it halal. I I would I would imagine, right? So 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 don't don't take that for granted as well. Uh, yeah. So I I on one hand it was painful to watch. On the other hand, it was like blessed lah to have experienced that. I suppose. Yeah. So then for Atika yourself and your family, how is this like Ramadan? Same or different? This year, you said there was a lot of things. Oh my goodness! This, <laughs> yeah, a lot of things you were saying that yeah. So, I know right. So actually, so, it um. I was trying to reflect the Ramadan last year and this year. I felt last year was we were resigned to the fact that we were in at home, right? Because it's circuit breaker. <laughs> so we were resigned to it and we just went on and tried to make the best out of it. So it felt like actually it felt like the best Ramadan so far that I've had last year. Oh. So this nice. year this year is a bit quieter in the day when the kids are in school. So like today my husband's in office, so it's only me at home. So it's really very quiet. I remember last year it was chaotic getting the number one to do his homework in the morning um, just so that he can rest in the afternoon. Um, yeah, I remember yeah, I remember one meeting we had and and you had boys scurrying into your room having to change their clothes and you're like, wait, 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 turn off the camera. Right? <laughs> <laughs> naked boy walking into the room, right? Yeah. yeah. So that was what happened last year. Uh, yeah, so we really had to had to occupy the kids lah, the whole day, like the whole month and all that. So, I mean, it was a different challenge, you know. But Ramadan was okay because we were home. So, yeah. this year, it seems like the first, now it's the third day, right? The yeah, first two days day. have been pretty challenging for my kids. So, the, on the first day of uh, Ramadan, my number two came home and the first thing he wanted was to drink water. I want to drink water. I want to drink water. I want to drink water. <laughs> then I was like, no, you shouldn't drink water. So, um, so yeah, I was encouraging him to try and continue because last year he could actually fast a good 29 days 29 or 28 wow. days like. he only nice. couldn't fast two days because he was he was not feeling well so i was telling him you did very well last year you should you should try and continue and i already bought like a surprise egg for him the kinder surprise egg last <laughs> to reward him at the end of the day mm. um so what happened in the end is that i just got him to nap so he napped for about three hours in the afternoon and then when he woke up it was just nice time to break fast and he yeah he completed his fasting um, my number one child on the first day he wanted to go for soccer. He had soccer CCA. So he went for oh, soccer. He was a, very soccer. De- a very dedicated soccer player, right? Yeah, then uh, we told him, Are you sure to go for soccer? You can take a break, you know, it's fasting month. You're okay to let you take a break. If you know he wants to go. So okay, lah, he went for soccer. Da, 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 come back, he was okay. But yesterday, yesterday, second day, he was he was so tired. He was so lethargic <laughs> in the afternoon. Yeah, then he went for a nap in the afternoon because he was so tired. And then when they go for naps in the afternoon, it means that they haven't finished their homework. So. <laughs> We were rushing homework at night after breaking fast and then they want to do the traveling with their dad. So um, we were like, rushing everything at night. So it's been a bit uh, of a mad rush. Um, starting from the morning, like after Saho, they get to nap for a while, but they don't, they don't really nap because it's only half an hour. Yeah. So then they have to rush to school. So it's a lot more rushing this year. Mm. Uh, and once I, I'm planning to go back to office a few days next week and the, uh, onwards, so that will be even more rushing lah because I got to rush to work and then rush back and, and all that. Yeah. So last year, we didn't have that. Last year, we didn't have any of the rush. It was a lot more time spent indoors. Um, a lot more planning of what you can do to occupy the kids' time. Mm. Yeah. A, a, a bit more relaxing. So yeah. interesting. 
Yeah, different. Right? I thought we different this year, easier this year, but yeah, but to the kids, it's a bit more challenging. And then it, it got me to remember that like, I was trying to recall how it was for me when I was fasting. La. So I suppose mm. a lot of us, we start fasting at five, six years old, or maybe five, maybe half a day, six, half a day, seven, maybe we start fasting full day. La. Yeah. So I was trying to recall what did my mother do to encourage me to fast? <laughs> oh, <laughs> she remember? Me well. I think she made me ask nap as well like, in the afternoon. I, okay. I think so. Uh, or maybe we didn't have as much homework then as well. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. But yeah, so it's it's a, a different challenge for me lah, this year to get the kids to sustain their fasting if they can. But then to watch out for them such, such that they don't get unwell, right? We don't want them to get unwell and yeah. you know, faint or something. So yeah. I need to tell them that you know you need to know your body. If you, you are feeling mm. very weak, you need to break your fast, go and break your fast. Nice. Uh, if you can continue, you continue. So mm. they need to know they need to judge lah for themselves whether they can yeah. take it or not, which yeah. is not easy. Yeah. yeah. And I think it's I think I think it, I think it might be a second day thing because your body is still acclimatizing to that change. Yeah. Day, so it's right? always like that. Usually the first few days is when we really for everyone, like even adults, right? The yeah. first few days of course is the one that you feel very weak. And then like yeah, yeah like, you know, like my, 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 my one, one of my friends had like massive headache yesterday. And he's adult. He's a he's an adult, right? Like like going to fifty years old already. And it's the day two. And yesterday I had a training in a school, and and half the class, at least half or seventy five percent of the class were all Malay Muslim. So halfway through the session, then we were like, okay, so what are the thoughts in your head? And then they were like, what are we gonna eat for breakfast? I'm like, hello, <laughs> it's three more hours to breakfast. Don't go there yet. Don't go there. Yet. <laughs> <laughs> but that was a common response throughout all, especially the cheeky boys in the class. They're like, I was like, okay, so, you know, uh, in the activity just now, what about the thoughts you were having? And you're like, what to breakfast? What to eat to breakfast? I was like, huh, so soon. Uh. I thought you're during the activity. Say, yeah, during the activity, what to eat when we breakfast? <laughs> <laughs> when you're hungry, you, when you're hungry, you think about food. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's a second day thing, or maybe it's like the first few days that like you mentioned, right? Like, yeah. So, it's interesting to just notice these patterns because I think if, let's say, we didn't have COVID and we didn't have, like, this year, maybe these patterns will not be as prominent to us. Mm. Yeah, which kind of leads me to that, that next question also, right? Like, I find that this year is a lot more humid and a lot more warm compared to last year. And I don't know, is it because, like, last year we were indoors most of the time and therefore the heat didn't hit as much versus like now we can go out we are spending more time outdoors and you know, in school or at work and I, I actually have this question i know this is like a a very weird question right because like huh this kind of question can ask me but really if, if it's so warm and so humid right like do you see like perhaps affecting how you fast or how you're going to cope with fasting <laughs> i don't know so i think for a lot of us because we've been trained like i say from seven years old six years old like I think getting to the rhythm of fasting is not it's not a big deal, it's not a challenge like I, I feel, mm. um like um the not drinking not eating is not a challenge. Maybe other parts of the Ramadan is more challenging than <laughs> the fasting itself. I would mm. say, uh yeah, um so so the weather doesn't quite matter. People always ask me, you wear tudung not hot man, you wear long sleeves not hot man. That day I wore a slightly thicker thicker top. It was like a sweaterish top because. I have a lot of like, you know, winter kind of like sweater <laughs> which, which I don't wear. Cannot be used now. Cannot be used, right? So I've been wearing them when, when I go out when it's raining and all that. Lah. People ask me, talk, talk hot man in Singapore. Uh, so I think, especially for a Muslim woman who's like, you know, always covered, like I think yeah. um, we have gotten used to it. Lah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, but I, so this year is also not so bad because I've also recently stopped breastfeeding. So last mm. year, I was still breastfeeding. So each time I'm breastfeeding, I will, in the morning, I will drink a lot of water. I made, my, I made myself drink like at least one and a half bottles, like big bottles of water. Mm. Because I need to make sure that my son has has milk like, in the day, right? I don't want to affect yeah. his, his milk supply. Yeah. Uh, so this year, and then when I feel drink so much water in the morning, I feel so bloated and then I feel very uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. But this year, I didn't have to drink so much water. I was like, oh, okay, maybe I can drink lesser now. Wow. So, so yeah, I feel quite normal this year. <laughs> it is, is, are you getting the younger one to, the youngest one to, I don't know, Fast? drink no. lesser? <laughs> drink lesser uh, for, because it's hard. Yeah, he's too young. He's three years old, so he's too young. So it's the funny thing is that on the first day of uh, fasting, he actually woke up. When he woke up for Saho, he uh-huh. woke up um, and he wanted to eat with us. Yeah. So we let him eat with us, he ate with us, and yeah, then he went back to sleep. <laughs> so, so, I mean, that's, that happens, I think, for all our kids, somehow, at that age, two, three years old, they will wake up, and then they will join us for Saho, and yeah, because they think that it's fun, right? Wow, something fun in the morning that's going on, then we join. Yeah, it's a party, but, uh, it's a party. <laughs> usually, we'll, usually for our, at least for our first two children, they started fasting, fasting half day at five years old, mm. so they will... They will. They might not wake up for Saho because it's too early. So they might just have a breakfast, yeah. and then they will skip their school breakfast. They skip, and uh, snack time. They only have lunch. So mm. we tell them, okay, you have fasted half day. So that's how we kind of like train them, mm. uh, so that they can also feel like they are part of, like they are fasting with us, lah. Yeah. So, so that's why for a lot of us born Muslims, fasting is part of our, our routine. Our every year we will have this month of fasting. Um, <laughs> Something that we expected, like we, yeah, uh, we, uh, we are not like, um, it's not difficult for us to get into, like, because it's really something that's been, be mm. built into our into our system and our life year mm. on year. Yeah, yeah. I I also saw another friend posted on Facebook like at three a.m. Was it three a.m. or something? Her younger her youngest one, which was I think, which is about like one two years old, also woke up at that time, right? Because she's gonna prepare the sahur meal. And then he woke oh. up and, and, and her post was quite cute. Like, you are not my target audience, but okay, you're awake. <laughs> you're not my target audience to prepare the sahur meal, right? But you're awake, okay, sure, I'll entertain you while I prepare the sahur meal. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's about 3 a.m. to do it. Well, I, I'm I not the kind of like, yeah, Something like 3, 4 a.m. or something. Like I, will, I will usually cook um, at night uh, before I sleep. Ah. Uh, I will cook everything that needs to be cooked for the morning. Uh, if you don't tapa or what. Yeah, and then, then in the morning... Start. My husband actually wakes up and he tucks the food. <laughs> so I get a bit extra snooze. Oh, he gets a bit extra snooze at night, but I get a bit extra snooze in the morning. So nice. So, yeah, I think we should do another live session where you talk about like husband and wife, how you share responsibilities. Yeah, I think that would be a very lot, it does a lot at home. So yeah, <laughs> yeah that would be an interesting. Ifa, if you are still here, Ifa invite Atika for that conversation. So Ifa has a separate uh group where it's a like a women printers um success circle thing and I think as a women printer uh, and and most of her most of her target audience the women printers are also Malay Muslim so I think they do probably have certain of these challenges like how do they get their husbands involved and and you know, share the, the the load of of just like during this period of time or even just generally so I think I think it, it, it would be nice for you to hear you share <laughs> how, how you and your husband have those conversations. I guess because we have three kids, right? I really think that this teamwork is very important. Uh. Um, so someone recently asked uh, us in a group chat uh, with me and a friend what is important in a marriage. So I really feel that it's that, that teamwork. Like, you know, you do some, I do some. Because 
if it's just the wife doing everything, I or think... Or vice versa, right? Or the husband. Yeah, or the husband doing everything. It's, yeah. it's going to be very tiring. And so it's more of like, you know, when you are tired, I'll take over. When I'm tired, you take over. I yeah. think that's, that, that seems to be working for us. Uh. So yeah. cute. Maybe my husband don't agree with me. Maybe it's just my <laughs> opinion. Maybe he thinks that he does everything. Yeah. Maybe I should have a conversation with your husband. <laughs> and hear his point of view. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think last year also it was interesting when you said that your your new colleague, right, in the room. Because your husband was work from home and then your new work your <laughs> yeah. new workmate. Yeah, my new colleague. <laughs> so funny. The things that he because he's in IT, so the things that you talk about, I don't understand. <laughs> What are you doing? <laughs> and then the thing that I talk about, which is HR, he doesn't understand because <laughs> two people person. Yeah, he's too, he's talking to computer and devices, but I'm talking to people. So. Yeah, he, he has problems to fix. You have people to, people to fix. No. To sayang, to sayang. <laughs> yeah. So so this year being like now where we are, we are in phase three, right? We are phase three of of well. It in, in Singapore at least. So I don't know globally how it's like. I think different countries have different situations and I think some some countries the situations keep cycling anyway, right? Like they, they can go out and then they have to come back, they go out and come back. So so in Singapore now we we with this phase three and you know that do you do you foresee like more family gatherings for you and you know perhaps even going to the mosque for the congregational prayers? Mm, um so the mosque will be a bit tricky because um um yeah, I mean I have three kids, right? Unless I can drop the kids somewhere. Uh, so we rather just pray at home. At least the kids can join us to do the concrete the mm. tarawih prayers, lah. Yeah. I think that that is uh better. I know you can also tarawih at home. You don't have to be in the mosque to tarawih, lah. If yeah. as long as your imam or your the husband knows how to lead the prayer, so I don't think we will probably go to the mosque. Even though we are planning to probably go this Saturday if we can, because mm. my sister wants to babysit the kids, so I can <laughs> I can yeah have my own time and go nice. to the mosque. So that's one. In terms of gathering, yeah, probably. So like I say, I'll probably go into my parents' house, my in-laws' house. Mm. Um, I don't foresee any gathering or iftar with friends because I I think at the moment um, we'll just keep it to family because it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's coming back Ramadan, to that. Right? Yeah, and even, even, before, even before COVID, uh, I didn't really do much iftar with friends anyway because mm. we all have kids and it's difficult to coordinate and yeah. First of all, to get husband's permission to be out of the house without kids, right? <laughs> um, so, the iftar was when I was younger. I had no kids. Uh, yeah, I, was iftar, I went to iftar practically every day or every week, that kind. But now, with kids, I think somehow family becomes an important priority, at least for Ramadan. Mm. So, I mean, other months, I do go for lunch or dinner with my friends. Yeah. Um, but I think during Ramadan, we tend to like slow down. Yeah, um, yeah life does slow down quite a bit. Mm. We focus more on uh, the essentials, lah, the family. Yeah. Mm. Nice, nice. I, right. I also don't think that I'll be breaking fast outside. Lah. I mean, I don't think we'll be doing much of that. Maybe we did we did some of that last time. Like yeah. on weekends, we'll go out for breakfast. Yeah. But this time around, because we've been so comfortable at home, I've, I've like, learned to cook so many different things. Mm. Uh, yeah. And we I, I, have... I, invite, I invite myself over to your place. <laughs> I just think it's nice. <laughs> I just think I can cook. <laughs> <laughs> and we are experts at calling grab food, you know. So grab food, <laughs> everything we know how to, we know which are the best deals, right? So, yeah, yeah, I think now everybody's going down that direction. Maybe. Like going out is not really necessary, lah. Like, for mm. you. <laughs> okay. Okay. Cool. Nice. Right. So, so the last question, right? I know you. You probably have another meeting after this. Thank you for taking this like no, one hour. I have to fetch the, the boys from school. <gasps> I have to fetch the boys from school. Okay, can. One thirty. Yeah. <laughs> okay, can. So last question. Last question. Right. So if if there's just this one thing that you would do differently from last year's Ramadan, what would it be? 
go to my mom's house to tapau food. <laughs> but you did that last year also. Oh no, it was delivered to you last year? Yeah, yeah, I think I'll go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I couldn't cook every day, yeah. Differently from last year's Ramadan. I don't know, I think I I like last year's Ramadan. It was it was serene, it was quiet, it was mm. like just us. Nice. Um, this year, the kids are back in school, there are more activities. Um, yeah, the activities, activities are all back. Like My son, my number one, has soccer five days a week. So for fasting month, we told him we only go four days, okay? We only go one day. <laughs> Yeah, he don't want to cut further. He only wants to cut one day. <laughs> so we are okay, fine, four days. So it means a lot of shuttling to soccer here and there. Mm. Uh, a lot more activities. Like weekends, there's madrasa, there's swimming. Oh, we're not going swimming this month. But yeah, there's soccer, there's madrasa or weekends. Um, there's small gatherings or whatever and all that. Mm. So it's a bit more busy. A um, bit more active, right? Like there are yeah. more activities generally. Yeah, so actually, I do miss last year's uh, quietness, mm. being just us. It feels like we were, it was just us Yeah, trying to get so our Ramadan so, right. So, it's so interesting, this perspective, like, like most people say, but you can have people already. You know, last year we were like re- reeling back from like, oh, no social, no social interactions. Oh, no, no people to hang out with. Or we were all reeling from that, especially like from an office perspective. Like, oh, you know, you can't have meetings, face-to-face meetings are people actually doing work, you know, you can't check in with your colleagues uh, and things like that. And then it's interesting to hear your perspective now, like, you know, one year later, actually kind of like you would have preferred how it was like last year. Yeah, for and Ramadan what? and it's... Yeah. So if you ask me for Shawal, for Hari Raya, yeah, I want to meet yeah. people. Yeah, I would want to meet people in small groups maybe. But yeah. for Ramadan, I think... So I feel like that meeting people can be done in Shawal. So um, that's a good time to really catch up. So uh, now that because last, a... last year we didn't meet, we didn't get to meet anyone, right? We yeah, even shower anyone. also cannot. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it'd be nice to meet my aunties, my uncles who have not, I've not like I didn't go to the house last year. We can go in small groups, yeah. um, cousins, um, yeah, even friends. Mm. I can host some group of friends over. You can come over so far, yeah, okay? Okay, can. I will buy food. I will not cook. <laughs> but yeah, so the, I mean that that will be very nice for shower. But I think for Ramadan, I I really like. Um, the quietness, just, the reflective, focusing on ourselves, our family, and and, yeah. and it's actually that's what Ramadan is about. It's actually a time for you to really slow down and and focus on yourself and your relationship with God. Mm. So if I extend it to my family and our family's relationship with God, I think I think that's a perfect Ramadan for me. Nice, which that's I experienced good. last year. So it's quite frustrating that this year it's like not. Like maybe not there year. yet, lah. Maybe not there yeah. yet because you still have a lot of activities. So maybe somewhere in the middle of Ramadan, you'll find your momentum and your rhythm. No, but there's still a lot of activities, there's still a lot of <laughs> things to do, you know. So and even work is get so, so so to be honest, one year ago work was not as busy yet because we were all settling into circuit breaker, right? Yeah. Trying to get things right and all that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but now we are, we've all been working from home for very long, so it's it's um not an but issue it's, it's another it's another change, isn't it? Like seventy five percent workforce back at work. Yeah, so, so going back to work now, right? Yeah, uh, settling the kids yeah. and uh, cooking for <laughs> for breakfast. So maybe when I start going back to work next week, I probably will definitely cook less. Probably yeah. will tapau more or mm. go to my mom's house more to eat her place more. You know that kind. Yeah, so those are probably things yeah. that will happen. Um, I will probably look forward to all your posts as as we progress through the Ramadan <laughs> to see how you are doing with with all the challenges. And I, I really enjoy your posts, right? For both uh your personal posts as well as those that you post on Family Trippers, because I think your Family Trippers po- like page or, or or Instagram 
it's really meant for your your travels and then now you couldn't you can't travel right so you actually have a lot of sharing about like the resources that you use to engage the kids uh the kind of events or programs that you have in place and activities that you know to to kind of engage the kids and i remember last year you invited me to be a part of this this travel around the world just through languages right like, like yeah. just posting them and teaching the kids the different languages from the different uh, countries so so it's interesting to continue to watch how even like that channel despite you not being able to travel like evolve and and then cater to your audience uh, over time uh, and your personal page is always very hilarious like, because you post about the kids as well you know like the three different boys and the three different personalities you know and then how you you kind of rope your husband in to do a tiktok video i think last year there was one where you send the kids off and say goodbye yeah. and number one went off number two went off number three went off I should do TikTok again. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I always like very uh, intrigued by how creative you are when it comes to this kind of thing. Yeah. So I look forward to your sharing uh, on your personal page as well as your family trippers page. Right. So guys, you know, those of you who are watching and you're wondering like, you know, if you have kids at home of varying ages and hers is like really varying ages. I think one and varying personalities as well. Yeah. One of the things that Atika shared with me was like all three boys have different totally different personalities yeah so how do you cope with these kids and then now that they are fasting how do you coax each of them to fast and you know like engage themselves in perhaps the different like parts of being muslim as they are growing up maybe you could follow you know uh atika's channel on instagram i think you post on instagram a lot more than other channels right mm-hmm. Yeah, more Instagram lah. But if I want to reflect long, long things, that will be on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so 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 follow her. Yeah, if you if you find that you know you want to get more insights, more options, and more uh, perspectives, yeah, follow her. Follow her, right? So thank you everyone for watching and joining us this afternoon. And you know, at one point we had like eight people, nine people watching in. Thank you for spending your lunch time with us. Really appreciate that. Uh, for those of you who have missed it and you're watching this as a replay, good for you because I think there's so many good nuggets that uh, Atika was sharing. And uh, I, I personally learned a lot, especially when she was sharing about you know, growing up as a Muslim and then you know, in that process of like, putting on her tudong and you know, how people kind of like look at her and the kind of comments that they make. I think these are really great as part of not just Ramadan, but just overall understanding the different cultures that we have in Singapore uh, and, and you know, learning a bit more, respecting a little bit more about each other. Right, yeah, so if you just tune in, sorry, I think I was about to say. I was going to say thank you for for hosting this again and for inviting me to to come to your show. It's quite, it's deja vu that brings back memories from last year. <laughs> You're welcome. So that we have like three people that just joined us now. Thank you for joining us at this point in time. Uh, we are ending, so you know, sorry that we have to end now because she's got to go and pick up her kids. Uh, so if you really would like to hear more, do watch the replay, right? Thank you very much. We're going to say goodbye, everyone. Bye.